0: You are listening to the rooted ministry podcast a conversation advancing gospel-centered
1: ministry to youth this episode was recorded at a workshop session at our 2017 conference in dallas texas for more information about rooted visit our website at www.rootedministry.com my name is siler thomas and um, i am very glad to have you here so I'm going to gonna make all of your wildest dreams come true, that you can, <laughs> right here today, you can have it all. Uh, no, I'm actually, I'm going to start by just talking about how I got here. Um, I grew up in Austin, Texas, about three hours south of here, and then um, moved to Chicago for college and um, thought I was going to be an actor. I was in the theater school at DePaul University, and while I was there, I it was became clear that uh, passion for ministry was kind of where I was headed. Uh, was involved in a denomination, uh, a gr- group of churches I thought I would be in uh, very, very instrumental in my in my faith in that time. went to seminary, uh, got married, and I needed a job. My wife was about we were about to have our first child, and I needed a place to work. and I just happened that this friend of mine took an interim. Youth position at a church up the road from us, and he needed a part-time worship leader to come in on Sunday nights. And uh, I was like, man, this is this is easy money. I'm just gonna go up there and you know crank out some worship tunes, do my thing, you know, get a little cash for this baby, and then you know on my way we'll go. Well, yeah, I kind of enjoyed it, and then I needed an internship, and they needed a youth pastor. The interim guy left, and so I'm like, well, I guess I can try this for a while. I'll Take this job, maybe I'll be here for a year or so. And the darndest thing happened. I accidentally fell in love with youth ministry. and uh, and that little church up the road that I uh, you know thought I'd be at for six months, this January will be twenty years uh, after I started there. So it was my my first job. It's been my only job <clears throat> in youth ministry. And uh completely accidentally, uh, it's not at all the way I would have drawn it up. In fact, if someone had told told me, hey, if you take this job, you're going to be here for 20 years, I'd be like, oh, well, then never mind, because why would I want to do that? Oh, what a terrible thing to do. Uh, youth ministry for that long, that's just a, you know, why would anybody want to do that? So, um, and, you know, I- I'll also say that uh, it is not It's, 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 it's been rocky. There, it's not like it's just been like, man, what a dream job for 20 years. Uh, but it has been, uh, it's been where God wants me. And the biggest thing, and and I'm, side note, I'll have a few of these side notes along the way, but, um, you know, I, I remember going to youth ministry conference at one point and, and having this guy in a really just sort of, kind of like, we need people who are committed to youth ministry for a, for a lifetime, you know. And I remember being like, "Whoa, dude, that's not me. You know, like, I don't, you know, I'm not signing up for that. That's scary." And I don't think that's necessary. I don't think anybody needs to, you know, there, there's no, there's nothing that says that you're not a real youth minister if you don't do it for, you know, 10 years or 20 years or whatever. Like, that's give me a break. I just, I hope we all want to be where God wants us. I mean, if that's with old people, young people with animals, what, I mean, whatever it is. Like, I'm just, I just want to be where God wants me. That's, that's the, that's the thing. And God has kept me, you know, where I am. I still wouldn't say I'm a lifetime youth minister because maybe, but maybe God next month is going to call me to do something else. And, you know, I hope that's fun too. But I've had a lot of fun, uh, in what I've done and I've learned some things. Um, but the thing that I have, that I that I sort of quickly in my early years uh, was became aware of as these two tensions in youth ministry of strengthening Christians on one hand these the students that I had but but also reaching outsiders and I sort of naturally am, am drawn to the outsiders and I um especially early on when I you know, shut up in the ministry, the, the, the thing that I was mostly kind of fired up about was reaching these kids who nobody was reaching out to. Um, and as far as I was concerned, I was sort of like, well, you know, these Christian kids, I mean, they can figure it out. They can come on, jump on or not. <clears throat> but what I then began to learn was, well, this is what, you know, you sort of get this idea of, you know, you need to focus on these folks because these are our folks. But also, if we don't capture our folks... They become the outsider, so it's really crucial. This is a really, you know, crucial time that we uh, that we that we focus on them. And then, when you're in ministry that long, my own kids become the Christian kids, and so then I become I have this vested interest in in making sure that the Christians are strengthened because they're mine, uh, my my own children. Um, and you know, I, Young Life. Many of you know Young Life. Um, we have a really good relationship with Young Life in our area. I wasn't content to just sort of say, well, I'll just let the Young Life evangelize the kids and we'll, you know, disciple the kids. Um, in some places, it works really well. And we've had a, a great relationship over the years of, of where we've got some of our core students have decided, I want to be really involved in Young Life and reaching out to people that otherwise wouldn't come to church. And then... People that come to Young Life, they come to faith, and then they go, "Oh my gosh, well, where can I grow?" And then they come into our ministry, and so um, that's really the way it's supposed to work uh, when it does. But I wasn't I wasn't content to just sort of say, uh, "That's enough." And um, over the early years, we developed a mission statement, and I'll sort of unpack later kind of where this came from and <clears throat> and things about it, and. I, I think it's a mission statement. It might be a vision statement. I've never understood the difference. Someone's like, no, 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 that's our vision. No, 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 that's, no, the mission is this and the vision, what, 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 that, I don't get it. I still don't get it. So someone can maybe explain it to me later. Um, uh, but we, we developed a, um, mission statement because, and the, the question that I was asking is, well, why do we need to choose? Uh, why do we need to choose between, um, you know, one or the other. We should be able to do both because we've got this biblical necessity for both, right? We, we're, we're called to shepherd the flock. First Peter 5-2. Shepherd the flock that is in your care. We, we have to do it. And, um, that, that, that's our, our biblical mandate. But also, Jesus sure cares about outs- outsiders. Luke nineteen ten, 10 Son of man came to seek and to save the lost. It's, 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 you know, I don't, I don't have to make in this session a biblical mandate for seeking outsiders because it is all over the scriptures um so our mission statement uh is this and i'm gonna this is going to be on your app the this the, all these slides are going to be in a pdf on your app if you want to just look at these later instead instead of having to write everything down but um building a caring community of christ followers who will reach a community with the love and truth of christ and again i'm gonna i'm gonna sort of you know, help help you understand what, what where we came from with this. But it was starting with this caring community of Christ followers. It was important for me that both of these things, both of these mandates to, to disciple Christians and to reach out to non-Christians be included in our mission statement, that we're building a caring community of Christ followers who will reach a community with the love and truth of Christ. So, where do we start? Well, there are four steps. Uh, these are not four easy steps, and these are not uh, four you know, steps that came to me immediately. This, is, this really is you know, 20 years of tweaking and trying, and well, this worked, and this didn't work, and so on. But uh, the first thing that we do is, like Jesus, start with a core of committed disciples who love each other. I think we should. You should always start things by saying like Jesus, you know, just because whatever. If you say like Jesus, then you just sort of like then then it's right, you know. So uh, like Jesus, children, we need to clean our rooms, you know, whatever it is. But um, <laughs> <clears throat> but this is what Jesus did. I mean, he started with a core of disciples. He gathered twelve and then changed the world with twelve. So you have to have a core, and for us, it really does start with. Um, the caring community that's why it's you know the, the first thing in our mission statement is to build a caring community of Christ followers because that is the community that's the thing for us that has reached that wider community we've really seen that the community becomes the apologetic when you've got a caring community of Christ followers and that that that's really happening and they really care for one another um, that, that becomes the thing that outsiders go, well, hang on, what is that? Um, and, I don't know if you've heard this, this thing that has, you know, sort of floated around. I'm, most of what I say, I've borrowed and, you know, sort of adopted, but, <clears throat> I heard it said, well, the guy that said it said, I didn't make this up either, so whoever made it up, sorry. Um, but, the idea of the order of belong, behave, uh, believe and 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 in some places the you know in, in sort of the the wrong way is that you show up and it's just you know you've got to behave differently uh, or or believe first and then you can belong the last step is belonging and uh, the right way and the way that we've you know, seen it play out is that step one is belong a new person shows up and it's just like dude you belong you're you whatever what doesn't matter we want you here. We're glad that you're here. Um, but what happens is when they belong, then they go. Man, I, I can't believe that, that that you guys care for me and love me. What do you? Why? why? What, what is it that you believe? Now I'm ready to hear what you believe. And then it's really not about behavior at all. It's about what they become. So, uh, the community is the apologetic. And how does this happen? Well, it will probably, for, for us, and many times, it will happen on some sort of an experience, a retreat, a camp, a mission trip. So, going back to, to my, um, experience when I started, uh, my first, uh, semester that I was there, I was just leading worship and getting to know some students, and it was, it was fine, and, And what was happening in the ministry is what i would call polite youth ministry you know it was just it was polite they were they were friendly to one another and they were kind to one another but it was polite they didn't they weren't sharing their lives um and uh that summer there was a mission trip that that the church went on and it was about half adults and half students and went to build a home in mexico and um i signed up because i had to go and because that was part of my job and, uh, the, the group that came home from that mission trip, me included, was nothing like the group that, that went on that mission trip. And I know I'm not telling any of you anything you don't know, but this is, this is why we do retreats and camps and mission trips. Um, obviously we do mission trips to serve and to, you know, not, not for the purpose of this, but what happens is when you get people away and when you get them away from you know just the sort of the, the normal world this this magic can happen and this holy fondness can grow amongst these people uh where when you 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 just and it was completely unexpected for me um and I think it was unexpected for a lot of these people that when they came back all of a sudden it was this community is you know we've we've been transformed by what we've seen we've you know we've we've served together we've worshiped together we've read the scriptures together and, and the amazing thing was there there weren't a lot of you know messages on this on this one mission trip that was we we went through John 14 through 16 and we had some good biblical messages but it wasn't like there were these moments where we were like you you need to repent and you need to do this but just the holy spirit was just at work bonding us you know together and so we, we were able to move beyond polite youth ministry to the place where we're sharing, as, as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2.8, which, uh, is sort of like the, you know, just a, a key verse in youth ministry, obviously, but, uh, and I love the, 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 the ESV version, being affectionately desirous of you. We were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. Paul says it more than once affectionately desirous very dear this is uh, the affections are involved it's more than it's, it's it's not polite anymore it's not just oh hello how are you oh hello god bless you it is i i i like you you're you're fun to be around when's the next time i can hang out with you um that's when things change so you have to move beyond a uh, polite youth ministry there is a warning however uh is that we have to, to, you know, on one end of the spectrum is polite youth ministry. On the other end of the spectrum is you can, you know, it's dangerous. The affections can be really dangerous and you can become emotionally dependent on people. And that's, you know, that's obviously going so far as to having, you know, emotional attraction to a student of the opposite sex or, you know, that's sort of the worst extreme. And this is why Unfortunately, you've got ministers that are that are in jail, or you know, and and, and youth volunteers who uh, who who go to jail. But but that's because. And I remember hearing someone say, you know, this sort of worst case scenario. Yeah, we had this. You know, I heard about this youth minister. He had an affair with I can't remember if it was a student or a leader on a mission trip. Can you believe that on a mission trip? And I thought. Actually, of course I believe it. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's where it would happen. Because, because you have this thing where you, you, you share your lives with someone else. And if you, so you gotta have boundaries. Because on those things, our heart, I mean, I, you, you can't tr- I don't trust my own heart. We can't trust our own hearts. Um, that is the danger when, when we move beyond polite youth ministry. Um, so you just have to have boundaries and, and not sort of the extreme example of romantic affairs, but you can, you know, as, you, you have to make sure you have separation as the, as the, as the pastor, the leader to say, you know, these are not my friends. Um, these are, you know, I, I love to be with them. I enjoy hanging out with them, but I can't expect them to be my friends. I have to, I have to be the leader. So, just a little bit of a warning, you know, when we do that, but if you can get there in that sweet spot in the middle where they love each other, you love being with them, your leaders, there's just this warmth and affectionate, um, and just sort of this joy of, of being around each other. So, um, all right, so that's step one is um, starting with this core of people. Step two then is that we create an expectation in our ministry. If we've got this group of people that are fired up and, and and we're excited about each other, you then have to create an expectation that nonbelievers are welcome in your midst. Um so that's you know, for us it was just starting with this writing this mission statement that really includes to say, guys, this community that we've built, it's awesome and, and we love it. But but it's 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 not just for us. It's really we're we're here. For a greater goal of, of reaching out to those around us, and this community can really be powerful in that way. So we talk about it. You, you just you just talk about how you expect people to be there, and not just okay in in you know in two months we're going to have this one event where you can invite your friends to that don't go to church, but just saying on your regular and your regular meeting, whatever that is, whether that's Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, always saying, hey, your friends that don't come to church are welcome here. And we're going to talk in a little bit about how you make an environment where that is something that they want to invite their friends to. But you 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 just sort of say, yeah, of course, of course we want people to be here. Um, then you've got a procedure for welcoming them. So for us, our main event is on Sunday nights. And we have uh, the first thing that happens, we have an opening song, and then we have uh, welcome newcomers. And uh, we have a card that I've printed out. So we can get their information, and then we have a free pen that we give them. And we say it's not just a free pen. This pen is, if you run out of ink in this pen, and it's, you know, I ordered them online. We have our our church uh, youth group and website on there. And we say, if you if your if your uh, pen runs out of ink, bring it back. We'll give you a free pen. This pen will never, you know, it's, for, it's a forever pen. In, you know, 20, like, I've had like two people come back. Cause they, they lose it immediately, right? So you, don't worry. They're never, you know, like, they, it doesn't happen. But they think it's cool. You know, like, wow. I did have one student one time empty his pen on a piece of paper just so that he could get a free pen. So you'll, you'll have, you'll have one of those guys, you know, obviously. But, um, but, but a procedure for welcoming people that's just a normal thing that, and what does that signal to other people? Oh, they're ready. They're ready when I bring my friend and of course you don't bring them up front and ask them what their you know favorite underwear is or anything like that you don't embarrass them but just a way that you know that they know okay and I get this pen and they fill out this card and explain how it goes and then of course you know everything that you can do to be aware of the new person we'll talk about that in a little bit as well um, you do all of this without being pushy or guilt inducing so until I had my own teenagers, my own children as teenagers, I didn't get this as much. Um, it's hard to be a teenager. It is really, really hard. And, and, you know, I, you sort of forget, but it's just, you're just trying so hard. And, and, and when I, when I had my own, you know, my own children, one of, one of my children has gone through the ministry. I've got a senior and a sophomore now. And by the way, I do, I, this is, this is gonna be, my context is high school, so, uh, some of you doing other, other things. This is mostly talking about in a high school setting, but, you know, hopefully there's principles that can be applied to other things. But man, it's just, you are, it, it's just so hard for teenagers to get their work, have good grades, have good friends, uh, they're so insecure, um, there's, there's so many things that they're trying, you know, then, and then they gotta apply for college and, um, there's so much, so much going on that don't add one more thing onto their plate and and make it make them feel really guilty and you know oh man I guess I have to be in my, my friends and all that just you know hopefully this is something that flows naturally out of their normal friendships so it's just a, a simple invitation and hopefully you're creating an environment where they're saying, "Man, I, I want to have people here. It's it's not one more thing to do. But we have to I just have, we have to be careful that we don't just, you know, sort of make it one more thing that they feel like they have to do." All right. So, we create um, an expectation and then we try to we work on creating an environment where non-believers feel welcome. So, it it doesn't happen automatically that this environment um gets created. And one of the things in, in advance of this um, session that I did is I emailed about? I got responses from about 20 folks, uh, dating, you know, going all the way back to 20 years. And I, because I, I, I was really curious, like, and I, I uh, emailed people who were our regular church kids and people who had come to faith through the ministry, just to say, tell me think back on your experience. What were the things that you experienced? Why did you come? Why did you invite your friends? That you know, those of you that did. And I got some really, really interesting responses and, and I, I encourage you uh you know ask those questions of your people. Um hey, what are we doing well? Evaluate regularly. What are we doing well? And you know people that are in college and thriving and just it's really it was really good to hear some of this feedback. Um, so The first thing, and some of, I'll, I'll cover some of the, some of their feedback in some of these points, but I didn't put this one up here, but it sort of goes without saying, like, when, um, you yourself and training your leaders and student leaders to just be on the watch for, uh, whether it's, whether it's new people who've never been in church or, like, people who don't have friends and they're sitting on the, on the, you know, in, uh, kind of on their own, just always having eyes to, to look out and see who's new, what can I do to welcome? Um, and it's hard, especially because that's why you have to train other people because you can't do it all. One person comes and talks to you, you got to be locked in on that conversation. You can't also be making sure, so you, you know, sort of creating a culture where everyone's always looking, making sure that no one's, you know, sort of on the on the fringes. But um, something that we do is that we explain everything every week. So when we we have a, a time of musical worship every week. And every week, especially if I've seen, you know, if there's a new person around, I go up to the front and I say, all right, so guys, we're, we're about to sing some songs. If you think about, you know, if you sort of just go into a worship time and a new person is there, th- they don't know what is going on. And if you don't explain it to them, they sort of go, well, I'm an outsider and and this this isn't for me. And am, am I supposed to know what those words are? And, you know, is this like some sort of weird karaoke thing that's happening where the words are on the screen? Like, I don't get it, you know? So we just sort of say, hey... You know, if you're new here, and this is a time where, um, we come into God's presence, and, and the scriptures say that when we draw near to God, He draws near to us. It's, you know, it's kind of like a a time of prayer put to song, and, and we don't expect you, you know, if you're new, the words are up on the screen. You, you might sort of join in on, as you learn them, but feel free to just kind of watch and listen. And then I'll often say, we just ask that you don't talk. And that's really more for my sort of squirrely kids that are, you know, talking. Um, I just say it's an important time. And sometimes I'll even add, you know, people might, you might look around, people might be putting their hands out as a sign of surrender, or they might, you know, close their eyes. We turn the lights down, it's really not about us at all, but, but if you see someone with their hands out, that's just a sign that, you know, they're, they're just kind of surrendering to God. That does two things. One, it says, oh, okay, the new person, so, so why might people have someone raise my hands? It also communicates to my students, if you want to worship God in that way, you can. It's okay. But again, it's not about us. It's not about how you worship. We turn, it's about God. So I just try to explain if I'm, if I'm, you know, what the scriptures, I don't assume that everybody knows what the book of Matthew is. I don't assume anything about my teaching that, uh, um, if a new person is there, um, that they feel welcomed. And, and my hope is that when they hear that, a, a new person just sort of goes, Oh, okay, they can relax. All of a sudden, they sort of, they get, it's been explained to them. They know what's going on. So, and it's, and it's kind of annoying to have to do that every single week. And, you know, your, your core kids are going to be like, oh my gosh, here he goes again. But it's important. It's, it's worth it for that person to be, yes. Do you ever have your core kids do those explanations so it's not always you? That's a great idea. I've had leaders do it. Um, but I should have some kids do that explanation. They've heard it a hundred times. So they, they probably should. Yeah. Yeah. Like what was it? Exactly. That's a great idea. Um, then you want to keep the cringe factor to a minimum, a low cheese. You want to have a low cheese factor on what happens. So that was one of the things that I got from one of my students is like, I was free to invite my friends because I knew that there wasn't going to be a lot of cheesy Christian stuff. You know, that's what she said. That for whatever that means to her and what it meant to her, um, that I wasn't going to, you know, I wasn't going to embarrass anyone. So when you just... The cringe factor is that feeling that, you know, you've brought a friend, oh, there he goes. Which of course the time when you're doing the talk on sex and dating, there's no way to avoid it. You know, you sort of you sort of hope, I hope that that aren't there aren't a ton of new people in the room when I have that topic, because I'm just like, you know, and sometimes I'll even I'll say, so if you're new here, we don't talk about this every week, you know. Um but look around at your environment, look around at everything that you do, and is there anything that you do that a new person is not going to understand and that your, your, your kid who took the, the, you know, sort of took the risk to invite a friend that as it happens, they are cringing, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's just said that. Oh my gosh, I can't believe we're playing this, this terrible game that everybody hates or whatever it is. Like, view everything not only through the eyes of a non believer but through the eyes of your committed kid who took the risk to invite his or her friend that night. And just get rid of it. Make you know, make it so that they don't don't have that feeling, so that they're they're always free to invite somebody. Sure. So outside of like the awkward game.
0: Yeah. Like, like what what else are some examples
1: of that? I think it's uh, so. Some other examples would be um, how you talk about things, um, and um, creating an environment that is fun. And we'll talk a little bit more about about humor, um, but just just not not saying and i think a lot of it has just what you're saying from the front um but doing it in such a way that it it's not going to alienate someone who's never been to church yeah um the next one this was actually really interesting because i heard i heard this from a student um there was a new kid that showed up i felt really bad for these two new boys they showed up without a friend. Their moms told them about our church. And they're like, yeah, my, our mom said we should come. You know, and they're just sort of sitting there. Only, they have each other. And so I'm, I grabbed another kid. I'm like, well, here, come over here, meet him. And, and I said to him, I sort of took a risk. And I said, cause this kid had been coming in enough. And I said, his name's Kai. I said, Kai, what do you like about, uh, why do you, why do you, why do you come to shape? What do you like about to our youth group? And he said, there's no judgment here. I thought that was really interesting and um, I heard an e- I got an email from a guy who was in my like my very first class 20 years ago and he said the thing that I liked about youth group is that there was no judgment. Um, which is so surprising to hear a Christian environment described as a place where there's no judgment. But what he's what they're talking about is in their high school there's just judgment happening. It's, it's exactly what Dave just talked about. There's judging judging is happening constantly. And so they're always feeling like, man, I got I gotta look cool, I gotta not try not to screw up, try to just, you know, get through the day without being humiliated. And this feeling of that's not gonna happen. So whatever you can do, and, and part of that is if you hear judging happening, you know, and sort of creating this this group of your of your core students. Where um we know that's that's a no-no. We don't judge others because that is that's 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 that has to be a priority in our in our in our group here. And then this is also uh, a really interesting one. I didn't realize that I did this, but one of my students said, I loved how when I was new, I didn't have to go to the small groups if I didn't want to. I never knew that I made that an option. Like I, I sort of assumed that we're supposed to go to small groups, but this kid, and, and it's different. You know, it's different than like a freshman boy who who gets driven there. They, you know, we they can't just leave. But this young woman who was probably 16 or 17 when she showed up with a friend, um, she showed up to our main meeting, and then we have small groups for the last 45 minutes. And she just she wasn't comfortable um, going to small groups yet. Like she just she just wasn't ready for that. But she felt like there was no pressure to do that, and I, you know, there wasn't like, you know, people standing at the door saying, "Hey, where are you going? You you get back in there." You know, you have to if you have to come. She, she just felt this freedom that there was, um, she didn't have to go. And then when she was ready, then she started to go. So whatever you can, and obviously, you know, there's a difference, like I said, between the the squirrely kid who just is like running around the church during youth group. That's not okay. Like, no, get back in there. But especially for a new person who, you know, if there's other things where you sort of go, "Eh, I don't know if I, if I'm, if I'm ready for that. Great. When you're ready, then, then we want you. And then, uh, leaders who listen more than they talk. One of the students who emailed said, I love being there because my leader listened to me. I just, I just, they, they, students want to be at a place where, uh, it's not just, they're not just hearing a bunch of stuff. They are, they're being listened to. So there are other things to, to do in terms of that, you know, creating that environment. But um, those are some big ones. And then the last step that I'll talk about is creating an experience where the gospel does its work. So um, I, step one is, you know, it's it's that core. It's finding some students who are, who are going to buy in and, and be all in with you. Steps two and three, I talked about largely about how do we, you know, create environments where where nonbelievers feel welcome. But step four, we you know, you, you you can't miss out on letting the gospel do its work. And this is where we really in in my you know my my meeting is created. It's targeted at believers. It's it's targeted at strengthening students while always saying, hey, new believer, come on in. We're going to explain it to you, and we're going to help you to see how this all works. But, But what we're doing is we're following Jesus together. So come with us as we follow Jesus. So you have to create an experience where the gospel does its work. So that's for us. It's worship through singing. Now, we have, I was a worship leader. I've been able to raise up other worship leaders. That's not possible in every setting. But for us, uh, we have an, an, a regular time where they can experience who God is and what the gospel has done through singing. And that's on a, on a weekly, uh, basis. And then we feed students a steady diet of gospel-centered expository preaching. I, of course, I'm at a rooted conference, so I have to, have to add it in gospel-centered expository preaching. Uh, but, um, but that's what, generally what we do. Now we do some topical stuff and we do, um, we bounce around occasionally, but, you know, this year and, and every four years as part of our curriculum, we walk most of the school year is just Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. Now, I'll say this. If you say every week, it's a Sermon on the Mount, it's a Sermon on the Mount, they'll get bored. And we did have this one student who was like, I, I heard from her small group leader, I'm so sick of the Sermon on the Mount. Oh my gosh. So that week I just said, we're going to be talking about fruit. And, you know, and whatever. And then that was in the Sermon on the Mount, but I just didn't mention it. And then she, she reported back, I was so glad we weren't talking about the Sermon on the Mount again, you know. So, sometimes you have to trick them. But, um, but, but walk through the scriptures and preach the gospel and feed them the Bible as you, as you do that. And that's what, that's what sets you apart and that's what and and the the non-believer uh that has come into your midst will see that you know once they've seen i belong here now i'm i really want to know what it is why it is that you've been how you've been transformed um and then regular serving opportunities so that's something that we uh, have grown into that's not something that we started with we you know have a Mission trips. We have mission trips for our students every summer, and then at some point along the way, I realized, you know, we—I really want to do more than just give them a one-week experience with serving. And so we have found local serving opportunities and just sort of help them understand that this is what um, this is what Christian community looks like. We serve together, and then uh, we've got a high-commitment student leadership team. It's called SMT, or our a student ministry team. So we have. We really raise the bar uh, for students. That are, in our context, it's juniors and seniors. Uh, they opt in. There's an, there's an application that they fill out, and um, we have a meeting every other Wednesday night. And I've got other leaders that are uh, a part of that as well. But we have a really high bar for uh, our student leadership, and we uh, are able to go a lot deeper on Wednesday nights. And they've got a there's a there's a large group. I say large group. There's a, you know, there's a, there's a teaching component where we're all together. And then the last half hour is when we break them out into, you know, smaller groups with, with leaders to, to go deeper. But, uh, there's a lot of expectation, um, from them. But I give them, uh, leadership opportunities. And one of the best things that we have done, again, we sort of stumbled on it is our winter retreat is completely student led. So we've got two retreats. Our fall retreat is is really discipleship based, um, which from a timing point of view, those are kind of the wrong time because we tend to have more new people in the fall. But the winter is when we go skiing. So those of you that are you know in a colder climate you can get away with that. Um, so I'm not this is not sort of the best I think ideally we'd sort of flip those around, but this is how we do it. So we've got our fall retreat that is really discipleship focused in the small groups that they have on their regular basis. Those small groups meet and go deeper on the fall retreat. And then the winter retreat is we really we really say this is an outreach retreat. Uh, you know, this is that, that retreat is really designed specifically for a non-believer. Whereas everything else we do is sort of targeted at a believer. And others come along. That retreat is really targeted primarily at someone who is, you know, brand new to the faith, never been in the church doors at all. And my senior, um, uh, student leadership team folks, they, they plan it, uh, they write the talks and they give the talks, uh, the students lead the small groups themselves. So there's not an adult at all in the, in the room for their small group time. And, um, when we, st- we started doing that, maybe five or six years into, into my time there, I just kind of stumbled onto it and realized that I'd been a part of something like that when I was in high school. And it just—it just, man, to have to. to there's so I, I could I could spend a whole session talking about how great that is, but it just so many great things when you just say, "This is on you." You're going to plan it. You're going to run it. You're going to run the small groups. Their sort of level of you when know, what is expected of them goes up, and they just rise to it. So giving them uh opportunities to lead. We we encourage our students to so if you're on the student ministry team you also have to serve in the church in some way. So whether that's with children's ministers, uh children's ministry or in our middle school ministry, some of our best middle school volunteers are high school students. Uh and it you know just giving them these serving opportunities, leadership opportunities uh, is so important. And then Leaders who will lovingly keep students accountable. So, you know, it's when you've got this um when you've done the work of 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 having a community and you've got a leader who listens, then they've earned the right to then speak into a student's life and uh and 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 keep them accountable. Um and, and leaders can do that in an amazing way, in a loving way. All right. Um there's five additional things. And two potential obstacles, and then we'll uh, open it up to questions and, and discussion. So humor is important. Um, you don't have to be funny to be like you know, it's obviously you've heard. I hope you've you know you do not have to be the wacky zany youth pastor, um, but humor does a lot. So if you yourself aren't funny, and you know that there's funny people, funny students, funny get them on you know get them up front because what humor does is it Relaxes people. It, uh, you know, and, and especially for a new person that comes in, if, if you've, if there think about a comedian that you like, when you think about that comedian, you know, stand-up comic, whatever, what, what you tend to say is, you don't just say, that guy's funny, what you say is, I like that guy. You tend to just, you go right from, he's funny, and I like him. So, for whatever reason, it just creates an environment, it can create an environment where, People, laughter just sort of settles the room down. And it also, when people laugh, maybe you haven't noticed this yet, but when you laugh, a lot of times you look at the person next to you as you're laughing, you sort of share, it's sort of weird why we do that. I don't understand it, but you sort of go, yes, I know, right? Yeah, that, that was funny, you know, but it sort of, so we're not just sort of sitting here and just listening, but now we're interacting with each other. So there's, and there's never been a time in, in, you know, in history when, there's more humor at your fingertips available. So if you aren't funny and there's no one funny in your ministry, there are funny jokes on the Internet and there's funny videos on the Internet. And so even if it's just getting things started with, I thought this was funny and we're going to watch this, you know, two minute video and you, you just get a chuckle that just it can it can sort of calm the room down. It settles the room um, and it can sort of get people on your side. Next, this this came out of a uh, one of my things of feedback too. Don't freak out when a new person shows up. So sometimes we can become, if you guys know the SNL character, uh, Kristen Wiig had this character named Sue who couldn't handle surprises. This is this is her. She's so freaking effing excited about surprises. She just like freaks out. She's so freaking effing excited. So like, oh my, a surprise! Now a new person is here. Like that we you don't. Don't freak out. Like when a new person shows up, don't, oh, what do I do? Oh my gosh, here they are, here they are, here they are. We got to get them saved tonight, right now. It's got to happen, you know? Like, I'm going to change my message. I'm going to do an altar call. I'm going to get them saved right here. Like, be cool, man. Be cool. Just relax. It's cool. It's It's okay, you know? So um, every time a new person shows up, we're trying to win them to a life of discipleship. We're not just trying to win them to get saved that night Um, because honestly, people can, sure, first night in. But there's a, there's a call to discipleship that I find, at least in the scriptures, where, where Jesus says, yeah, you, you need to count the cost. And so we're, we want to, we're trying to win them to this community where they then count the cost, and then they become a lifelong disciple, not just sort of like a convert on one night. Um, so number three, some new people will think singing is weird, but it can also be the reason some people come to faith. So I've wrestled with this. Because I've got some students in my ministry, man, half an hour worship, they would love every week. That's just all they want to do. But I also know that there's new people that come, that some of them, and, and I'll hear them say, yeah, when I first showed up at the youth group, I thought it was weird. And all the singing was kind of weird. But then I got used to it. Um. So for for me, what that means is we try, I try to... And, and they're just awkward dudes. Like, there's some awkward dudes that just singing is not their thing, and they don't they don't know what to do with their hands. They don't know. Like, they they're just like, what do I do? We're just singing right now, you know. So I try to make sure that the singing time is is there. It's important, but it doesn't go on too long for the people that are new. And we sort of save that for retreats, you know, like on our fall retreats. We have longer times on our winter retreat, uh, which is for new people. We, we make the, we, we have the singing time. We'll do like two songs and then we'll say, Hey, if you guys like that tonight, when everything's done about 10 p.m., we're going to come in here and, and we're going to have a longer worship time. Generally, everybody shows up and incredible things happen in that time. But, um, but we make it, we make it optional for the people that know this isn't their thing. And I've, I've, you know, heard from people who, you know, they go into a worship and they're new and they look across the room and they go, I'm in chem class with that guy. And he's like, he's like worshiping God. What is that about? Something happens when they see it. So I've, I've, you know, it can be really important to a new person. Um, this one, let your large group target new people early in the year while small groups focus more on committed students. So there's this thing where, um, you know, early in the year, we will like, this year we did a four-week series that really was targeted at new people, just for the first four weeks. It was myths and misconceptions of Christianity, kind of targeting the skeptical student. So early on, our our large group focus was really about, um, you know, the, the 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 new person. But you can let the small groups that you have sometimes they meet on different nights, um, let that be the place where you're really going deeper. And then as the year goes on. Those can kind of switch. So by the end of the year, you're, you're encouraging your small group, uh, small groups. Hey, are there friends that you want to invite? We've gotten deep. Now, who can we invite in here? And then as the year goes on with the large group, you can focus more, you know, initially targeting the outsiders and then, and then really, you know, letting, letting the focus be like, for instance, the sex and dating talk. Don't, don't do that week one. You know, don't do that week one as you kick off this new school year. Man, save that for Valentine's Day, right? That's the perfect time to be talking about it. So, But that's halfway through the year, and you sort of got your, your your group there by then. And then the last thing, in a non-creepy way, spend time with the new people, and don't stop until you remember their name. So don't be creepy. Be cool. Be cool. But when a new person shows up, make sure that you are, you know, meeting them and not just... Counting on their friend to be their friend. Like, it, it, hopefully you can recognize, you know, hey, this is a new person. Get to know them, f- and, and the name thing is so important. If you were, if you can remember their name, and if they can come back the next week, and you're like, hey, Frank, how are you? It's like what? The other thing is uh, that I mentioned, that I didn't mention, when they fill out a card uh, and get their free pen, I then send them a, a letter in the mail. Um, form letter it's been the same form letter for this whole time but you know I sign it and then I write a note on the side and I try to do you know have it, you know something if I've had a conversation with them and I said something you know hope you do well on such and such or I reference their friend in the note so that they know like yeah I remember this interaction and then the next week if you can and if you don't if you don't remember their name just go, now, what was your name again? And don't stop until you have learned their name. That is just so huge that, you know, wow, that guy remembers me. It's a really important thing. Alright. Two quick obstacles. One, to, to, specifically to being a place where you're welcoming non-Christians. Nervous parents. There are nervous parents who are just like, I don't like this. I don't like all these outsiders. I don't like these. We don't pay you to reach, we pay you to, you know, I mean that's sort of the worst extreme of that. But that's just the reality. And if you're in a setting where you've got nervous parents who don't like the fact that there's outsiders around, you gotta get past that. And perhaps it's an opportunity to help them see, you know, what you know what what the Bible says. And and truly, you know, teenagers, and we're gonna talk about well, I'll just talk about this. So because obstacle two is if you if your if your youth group is primarily private christian school or homeschool students this is this is a huge obstacle kids that are in a public school are so incredibly positioned to reach out per- perhaps there's never a better time in their life well they will be so positioned to reach out to uh, a non-believing student but if your youth group is primarily made up of christian students or homeschooled students this is going to be a hard one cuz they're going huh? Eh? No, nope, don't know any. Next, you know. Um, so but that doesn't mean you, you you there's not other things you can do. I mean, so so say well have do you have a job? Do you work at the Dunkin Donuts or whatever? Well, is do you meet someone there? The other thing is I had when I started. Uh I had a family. They were a homeschool family and we took some students to an evangelism conference. And for the middle school, I think it was just like a one one day thing. And this middle school kid, cool, middle school kid came home to his family and said, just really innocently, just said, you know, mom and dad, um, they keep talking about how I'm supposed to reach out to my unsafe friends and I don't have any. So what am I supposed to do with that? And what interesting and this is, this is not disparaging homeschool. There's tons of reasons to why you do it. But this, in this particular situation, this family were really struck by that. And they said, wow, we, we want our kids to have the opportunity to share their faith, and we don't give them this opportunity if we homeschool them. So they transitioned some of their kids at that time to public high schools. And, you know, at least in this situation, what's interesting about this family, as I was sort of reflecting on this story, their family that have six kids. Two of the children, two of their, their kids ended up marrying someone who had come to faith through our youth ministry. So just kind of weird how it happened that way, um, and again, it's tricky, and people are really weird about homeschool, and so you don't ever want to be like, ah, oh, homeschool, you know, that, that is a as a minefield you don't want to step in. But um, God can do crazy things. So uh, with that, I will turn it over to comments, questions, thoughts. What has been working, Yes, go ahead.
0: Um, I appreciated what you were saying about the higher commitment um, student leaders. Yeah. How do you deal with the reality we have today of yeah. like
1: two par- you know, two homes for the kid? Yeah.
0: I-, I have students that I only get every
1: other week. Right. So, right. so our meetings, we have a Sunday night regular meeting. That's our you know high school meeting every Sunday night. Our our um, ministry team meetings are every other Wednesday night. So we try to make it while it's a high expectation. It's not a huge time commitment. So, and, and we actually start ours, we start ours at eight o'clock. It's eight to nine thirty, which is really late. And some people don't like it, but I do that with the ex knowing that these kids are, they got sports, they got homework. And so we want, we sort of let them get that done. And we sort of say, Hey, it's eight to nine thirty. And if you don't like it, you don't have to be a part of it. But, you know, this is, this is sort of how I've, uh, and, and, and students tend to say they really like that. They like that they can, you know, kind of get their stuff done, and then it's, and it's only every other week. And because it's every other week, we say, and I'm, I'm very specific about, you know, you can't miss more than, I think we say three per semester, because we only have like eight, you know, and so it's like, you, you, if you're going to be a part of this, you really have to raise the bar, and if they can't, be there we say yeah well then serve in other ways but this team is for people who are ready for that
0: yeah I, I just love what you said I'm just uh, resonating all of this mm. It's just it's exciting to hear you, you describe the this mm-hmm.
1: thank you good
0: um, uh, someone just said uh, Walt, uh, Walt Mueller in the previous uh, workshop had said uh, that uh, just by commenting, uh, youth today are more and more biblical illiterate. They mm-hmm. have no clue. Most of it, many of them, have no idea anything about the Bible, Jesus, right. God, or they have heard negative. Just little. Um, I'm from Massachusetts, so that's like our right. story. Sure. Um, same with like the Northwest. I see you guys from Oregon. Um, Uh, how how do you um, teach and disciple your believing students through that Sunday night gathering, but also connect, uh, not leave out, you know, uh, when you say don't, uh, leave out the cringe-worthy type things, you know, when we use a big word like... Justification. Sure. You know, I think I believe, and I think probably you do, that our students need to know.
1: That's right. That and they can handle it. Yeah. We just got to define it. So, right. so we don't. I mean, my lowest common denominator is not the sort of non-believer who doesn't know anything. I don't. I don't. I don't want to because because there is a reality. We've got you know we've got 17, 18 year olds who are ready, yeah. and a lot of them. You know, we say that's why the ministry team is so great because we can go real deep with them. And you got office hours where I can go. And I we we can talk about. What is the meaning of kephale in, you know, the New Testament? I mean, I've got a student who wants to, to have this conversation with me, you know, like, great. But most of them aren't. So you find that sweet spot in the middle where it's sort of like targeting a, kind of like a, maybe like a, a junior in high school, that kind of level for our, and again, just a high school study, setting where, um, but you are going to have to sort of, you know, justification. Let me, let me give you an example about that. Using a lot of analogies and a lot of, you know, sort of, so that you're always welcoming, but you're and, and I'll say this too, you know, the Bible has enough of its own cringe stuff, right? I mean, it's like you know, the Gospels offensive. So, so you, and you can't you can't change that, but uh, you know, th- don't don't you know, you let 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 the let the Word of God produce the cringes and the and the hurt and the offense. But don't you do that yourself. So, if the bar is, you know, and I don't. Obviously, I'm intimidated by what Jen Wilkin has to say. You know, I mean, that's really intimidating. But that's stuff that we, the thing is, the catechism, all that stuff, that can happen with your core kids, um, whilst, while having the, the, the general meeting be a place where, you know, where, where we, you can sort of keep the bar high enough that, um, you aren't, you know, boring the, the ones that are ready, but not so high that the freshmen and the new people are just like, I have no idea what, what this guy's talking about.
0: Thank you for listening to The Rooted Podcast, where we hope to communicate the truths of the gospel and apply those truths to youth ministry. We would love for you to check out our website, where we post articles daily geared towards both youth ministers and parents. You will also find more information about our conferences, regional events, and more at www.rootedministry.com.